This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Laravel News Podcast. This is episode 192. The date today is May 23rd of twenty twenty. 2020 2020 did you ever see that meme where there was that like um that lady whatever because they had they used to have that show 2020 and she would say and this is 2020 and she just had this way of saying it and it was when the year 2020 came out little did we know what 2020 was going to be but there was a meme going around like 2020 so anyway uh 2023 may 23rd 2023 i don't know I just informed you that I'm installing a garbage disposal tonight because ours just died randomly. In fact, I think what happened is there was a, a like, I think one of my kids stuck a rag down there and it just burned the motor up. I'm pretty yeah. sure that's what happened because I that's found a rag in it and I was like, hmm, sounds like somebody just accidentally stuck this down here, maybe. So someone uh, it's a, someone it's is missing some pocket money. Job. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a nasty, smelly job, dude. Garbage mm-hmm. disposals are not fun. I got water all over the place. It's annoying, but we're making it happen over here. So that's that's what my evening's holding. How's how's your day going? Very exciting. Uh, it's it's cold. The sun the sun is shining, mm. but it is just it is getting to that time of year, and it is it is cold. The heat is on. I've got my blanket on. I've got my jumper on. And I'm still cold. So oh man, and we the kids just had their first swim today. Yeah. We just opened the pool, and the kids are in this. They just got in the pool today for the first time. So. That opposite season thing kicking your butt. We're going into the good stuff and you're going into the not as yeah. good stuff. Sorry to hear it, my we friend. We kind of, well, I think we talked about it last time. We just, we, there was no summer this year. We had like a couple yeah, of hot days, yeah. but there was just no summer and now straight to winter. Ah, oh, that's no good. That's no good. Well, hey, no. should we get into it? Let's do it. Awesome. Okay. Uh, oh, you know what? Actually, one quick thing. I uh, went to PHP Tech this last week. Uh, yeah it was really was, fun it was good yeah i've never been before it was in chicago nice. it was awesome yeah had a really good time uh good. i got to hang out with some laravel peeps over there and um it was a really good time so that was it's fun good. it's it's nice to see that um conferences are coming back and it's nice to see that yeah. php specifically as well you know some of them it was like I think before COVID, we kind of got to this point of saturation where there were too many conferences and people, you know, you didn't know where to mm. go, or you, like you couldn't go to all of them or and things like that. So many, and then, yeah. and then you know, COVID happened and so many of them stopped, obviously, because we couldn't hold them. And now right. this is starting to come back and it'll be interesting to see which events do come back and which ones don't. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we've got full the full complement of Laracons back this year and, and you know, the addition of Laracon India. And, and then, you know, tech's been and gone. I think there's a couple of others coming back. So it's, it's nice to see that that is kind of springing up again. Yeah, it was really fun. I was going to say shout out to Eric Van Johnson and the crew there. Uh, they did a great job and uh, put on a really good conference. It was a lot of fun. Learned a lot. So it was it was, it was very cool. Awesome. All right. Let's talk about releases, shall we? So 10.10 is our first release. We've got this coming out uh, May 10th. So version 10.10 brings many new exciting features and enhancements. With each release, Laravel continues to push the boundaries of what is possible in web development. In this version, notable contributions include features such as the sleep class, the hashed model casts, and the ability to mark commands is isolatable. 
So Tim McDonald shipped the sleep class, and this is a uh, slick little API around PHP's native sleep functions. Now, the thing that makes this kind of cool is that you can fake sleeps mm. and then you can make assertions against how your code slept. So if there's something in your code where you need to do something and then sleep, I'm trying to think of like when that could be. Maybe, I don't know, maybe an API call or something. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you make very, an API call. Like I was just I have reading- a very specific example about this and I'm not going to take credit for it, but I did, did talk to Taylor about this a while ago and then I saw this get merged in. Um, a little while ago. So let's, so let's hear your specific example. Let's hear it. So this is, we have, as part of our submission flow for loan applications, we have to send a payload and then the the remote party will then go and make a whole bunch of lookups to other third parties. So they have to go and hit like a credit file, do an assessment, all of that kind of stuff. And so they don't have, they, they'll send us back like a reference and then we go and poll them we're like hey have you got this response yet and they'll either say yes we have or no and so as part of that workflow we need to sleep for five seconds poll again sleep for five seconds poll again for you know whatever i think it's 60 seconds or two minutes or whatever sure okay the problem that we have is that their uat like their testing environments are a bit flaky and so sometimes that process just goes forever until eventually our test suite times out. And, you know, when, when the UAT environment is fine, we get a response back in 20 seconds, 30 seconds, whatever, and it's okay. But when your test suite just keeps running and running and running and running and nothing's happening, it, it turned out that when we we're using carbon set test now, that fixes time. It doesn't actually advance it. So when we were doing like do the request, get back the, you know, the, the pending response, oh, sure. sleep for five seconds... Um, yeah, we, okay. we never we never reached our configured timeout because time wasn't moving forward. So you know we'd sleep yeah, for five seconds, but it was still you know that fixed time. So this sleep functionality that that Tim has bought allows you uh, introduced allows you to kind of advance time using that. So you know you don't have to wait for a minute to reach a one minute timeout. You can you know advance using sequences and things like that. I'm pretty sure in a similar way that we have sequences for model factories and, and whatever else. So you can say like the first time you, you call sleep advanced time one second, and then the next time do it 10 seconds. And then the next time do it 50. So you kind of get through that 60 seconds of sleeping in the space of nice. like yeah. five seconds instead of 60 real seconds. So it keeps your tests moving a little bit quicker. Um, and now that this is released and now that we're on the latest version of Laravel, I will be implementing this into our, into our test suite so that we can kind of shoot through that. Yeah. So it does a couple of things, right? As far as like the, so there's the code that you can actually use in your application. So you could say sleep for three minutes or sleep for three seconds or sleep for three milliseconds, or you can say sleep for three minutes and five seconds and nine milliseconds. So you can use the affluent API to define these sleep functions. Uh, as you stated, you could use like assertion or sorry, not assertions, but sequences. So you can sleep for these different periods of time and the API is really nice. But then, yeah, once you're going into test it, your, your test might not care at all that you actually sleep. So you can just sleep fake and then you can assert that your code called sleep three times. So sleep assert slept three times. So yeah, really, really nice to keep your tests super fast, but it also is just a nice API as well. If you wanted to call sleep inside of your, inside of your, uh, your application. Hmm. There you go. Gunter de Brouwer 
contributed a hashed cast that can ensure an attribute's value is hashed. So we have this encrypted cast with which uh, Jason McCurry introduced, I believe, uh, which is where you can, in your casts, you can define a column and then say encrypted. And that will go ahead and use your Laravel app key, I believe, to encrypt that column. But this is a cast that hashes a value that does not yet exist or does not exist yet. And a lot of applications, even Laravel's default application, the user model has a password. So in this, he's saying, I think it makes sense to have a hashed cast that ensures that the password is always hashed before being saved in the database. So if someplace you forgot to hash it, it's going to go ahead and hash that for you before it saves it in the database. So that's nice. Very nice. Okay. ByteStream contributed the ability to configure a command to be isolatable using the isolated property. So um, instead of having to pass, so you, you can call a command on the command line and pass dash dash isolated, and that will run it in isolation. But now you can just set a protected property of isolated equal to true, uh, and that will do the same thing. So for those of you who are wondering what isolated means, um, if you are deploying something across a clustered environment, right? It may be that you want to only run this command in one of those environments, right? Whichever one kind of grabs it first. So when you run this command and say isolated, what it'll do is Laravel will require an atomic lock for that command. And as long as all the instances are using the same cache connection, it'll make sure that it only runs in one place. So that's what the isolated flag will do. So there you go. That's that's the last item we had for this one. That's 10.10. Uh, so thank you for all the contributions there. Okay, what we got with 10.11? Laravel 10.11 was released the week of May 17th and adds the ability to retrieve a timestamp carbon instance from a UUID, making the sleep class macroable and a new precognition success header for verifying a successful precognition response. So first up, Dark Ghost Hunter contributed the ability to retrieve a carbon instance from a UUID or ULID, ULID. Um, so this is adding a new date uh, new methods to the date facade. So create from UID and that will handle both UUID and ULID variants. And so because UUIDs and ULIDs are generated based on a time-based component, you can figure out when that was actually generated. So this gives you the ability to get the timestamp that that occurred. Next up, Tim McDonald contributed a precognition success colon true response header. So whenever the client will receive the 204, it doesn't alone guarantee that precognition succeeded. So this additional header ensures that precognition was successful. You can see pull request 47081 for more details. And Brady Tilly made the sleep class macroable. So you can add your own functionality to that from your own applications. Uh, so just a few small changes and miscellaneous bug fixes, but we'll have links to all of that for you in the show notes. Um, precognition, Taylor tweeted about this today. So precognition was something that they talked about in Laircon online uh, this spring, I believe. And so essentially it's validation, form validation for inertia apps. And it's like this sort of zero config sort of passing back and forth the validation stuff. And, and I, I don't remember exactly how it works, but they pulled it back for a little bit. It wasn't wasn't quite as polished as they wanted it to be. And now they're either just releasing it again, or I mean, they're either just releasing it or they've done an update or something. I'm not exactly sure. Or maybe it's still coming. I'm not exactly sure. But Taylor tweeted about it today. So this precognition success header that we're talking about is related to that. So 
Uh, if you happen to use Inertia and you'd love some auto-wired validation messages, you can check out that precognition stuff. Sounds pretty cool. All right, we've got Octane, Laravel Octane, which is another really cool feature that Laravel ships with. I think this shipped or this came out like two years ago. And the idea with Octane is that if you have a endpoint that just gets hammered and you really need uh, a lot of capacity on that endpoint or on, a, or on a set of endpoints, you can put Laravel Octane in front of it. And Laravel Octane will essentially, I can't remember exactly how many requests it can handle, but it does a great job of uh, handling loads and loads and loads of requests really quickly. I think I think the main main thing with Octane is that it it spawns a process. So rather than mm-hmm. having a, a request like lifecycle, yeah, rather than having to spin up like an FPM process to handle the request and then do it, you know, every time, Octane is responsible for yeah. booting the framework and keeping the framework running in memory. So you get the the performance improvements of not having to, you know, spin up the framework every time. And that allows Boot you to basically and all that, yeah. yeah, serve, you know, way more requests because that application is always just ready to go and serves that request. So very, very handy um, tool. Absolutely. So this particular uh, blog post here is about a uh, Octane version 2, which supports features which features support for Roadrunner version three. So like many things that Laravel releases, there's a set of different drivers that you can use uh, depending on how it is that you want to run Octane. There's a couple different ways that you can do it. But Roadrunner uh, version three is now supported if you're using Octane version two. So thanks to Nuno Maduro for making that one happen there. All right. We've also got, oh, this is a big one. Why don't you take this one, Michael? Statamic version 4, after months of hard work, Whoop. is now finally available. This release focuses on two things in particular. Number one, an improved user experience in the control panel and continued modernization of the underlying code base. The heart of Statamic, the control panel, is now more intuitive and got a streamlined look. There's lots of updated UI components to offer more consistency, better accessibility, and just better looks overall. They've introduced CSS's new container queries throughout the control panel, which is why everything is now more responsive and adaptable. Using container queries also means less JavaScript and no more watches to add or remove classes, resulting in a better performing control panel. Tabs and sections got a major overhaul in Statamic version 4 compared to the previous version. What we called sections before got renamed to tabs. They're just that, tabs. And sections and are a new addition giving you a better visual hierarchy when editing content, thinking thinking of them kind of as cards for an improved structure. Another example of improved UX is the new set slash block picker for the barred and replicator fields, which is um, usually the component you would go for when building something like a page builder with Statamic. They've completely reimagined it and now let you organize your sets and blocks into groups of over 150 hand-picked icons to choose from. It also offers handy search features to quickly find the set you're looking for. And with the code modernization, it means they now officially support Laravel 10. And on top of that, have switched to Vite as the default build tool and upgraded to Tailwind CSS version 3. There's a, Dang, that's a lot of stuff. It's a lot of stuff. And there's a whole bunch of new features and changes, including improved lists with horizontally scrollable tables, a new table filter UI UX, New icon and width field types, redesigned color field types, list field types, time field types, asset editor, grid replicator, and table field types now get a full screen mode. There's additional dependency cleanup, so some updates, refactors, and removal of a number of third-party dependencies, and support for PHP 7 and Laravel 8 have been dropped. 
Statomic is open source and free to use within the limits of a solo license. And the pro license is $259 and gives you a range of features like unlimited users and roles, revisions, drafts, a content history, and Git integration right in the control panel to name a few. More details are available on the licensing and pricing page found on Statomic's website. And for even more details about Statomic 4, you can head over to the official announcement blog post on statomic.com or watch the launch video on YouTube, which gives you an overview of the new features and changes. We'll have links to all of that, of course, in the show notes. Very cool. Congrats to the Statomic team. That's awesome. Big release there. And I know that uh, they've got some great videos out there too, kind of introing. If you haven't used uh, Statomic before and you're just kind of interested to see what it's all about, they've got a quick eight-minute video to kind of walk you through all of the different things that are new in version four, but also just kind of what's the, what's the concept between Statomic? What is it? Jack McDade also has a whole set of videos as far as just getting started with Statomic and an introduction to all of it. So if you haven't tried Statomic before, or if you haven't tried it in a while, please check it out. It's a great tool and uh, happy to have them in the Laravel ecosystem. Okay. We've got a video from Aaron Francis, which is a Laravel overview video. He has a new video called PHP is the future. And this goes through the Laravel framework and covers a lot of the highlights of the framework. Uh, Eric Barnes is the one who wrote this article. And he says, I've been using Laravel since well forever. And it's easy to forget what you get for free just by using the framework. And does a really fantastic job going through some of the big features, explaining what they do and comparing them to what one person might find in the JavaScript ecosystem. If someone asks you why Laravel, send them this video. And this was, uh, you know, just I don't know, last week, a couple weeks ago, uh, and it's still kind of happening now, right? There's some high-profile JavaScript people, I feel like, coming over and like giving Laravel a look either, either for the first time or maybe seriously giving it a look for the first yeah. time and are blown away just by all of the things that come wrapped up in this one framework. You don't have to go and find your own uh, way to do JWT tokens and you know OAuth and... Uh, you know, integration with Stripe and queued jobs. This, all that stuff is done for you. Mm-hmm. And so Aaron goes through all of the different things, middlewares and ORM, off, cash handling, you know, Octane, all those stuff, uh, Horizon, you know, queued jobs and managing those jobs, all the things that you get for free with Laravel. And so if, you've, uh, if, if you're new to Laravel, this is also something that you will learn from. I've been using Laravel for a long time and watching this video reminded me of a couple items that I had forgotten about as well. So definitely a great video. Thank you, Aaron, for putting that together. And it's got a lot of views. I think he was talking about how many views he got on it. He was like, yeah, 39,000 views. It was only posted 11 days ago, which yeah. maybe 39,000 doesn't sound like a lot if you're used to you know, looking at somebody who's got uh, you know, millions of subscribers. But 39,000 is nothing to, nothing to uh, turn your yeah. nose up at. The timing, it's, it's the timing bit, was right. Views. The timing was right totally. for the video. Um, just with like, all of the the talk about it and and like you say it was a whole bunch of high profile javascript people that are that are kind of giving php and and laravel a look now and let's face it some of those people coming to php for the first time or maybe even um, returning to php are going to have code with errors even code written by those amazing javascript developers and when those errors happen it's nice to know that honey badger has your back HoneyBadger makes you a DevOps hero by combining error monitoring, uptime monitoring, and check-in monitoring into a single easy-to-use platform. I'll send you alerts in real time with all the context needed to see what's causing the errors and where they're hiding so you can quickly fix them and get on with your day. 
And with the included uptime and cron monitoring, this lets you know when your external services are having issues or your background jobs go missing or silently fail. You can go to honeybadger.io and discover how Star, Josh and Ben created a 100% bootstrap monitoring solution, which is important because by being self-funded, they answer only to you, the developer, rather than venture capital overlord. Again, that's honeybadger.io. Thanks for sponsoring the show. Very nice. Very, very nice. We've got another article by Paul Redmond, everyone's favorite human, uh, talking about using 1Password to authenticate with Forge and Vapor securely. So Andre Sayaj recently published two different plugins for 1Password. So 1Password is a password manager. I use it. Michael, I'm not sure if you use it or not. Do you use that 1Password? I do. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. I, I've been using it for probably about a year now. Really, really like it. It's... Um, made was made specifically for Macs back in the day, but I think it's available on all major platforms now. But they're very forward thinking. Uh, they're very secure. They do, do a great job. All their apps are really polished and well done. But they have a CLI app that you can now download. And uh, it integrates with the uh, 1Password that is on your machine and allows you to be able to use your 1Password to interact with things in your command line. So for example, if you wanted to uh, be able to interact with Forge or Vapor using the Forge or Vapor CLI tools, right? What you can do is you can now use this to authenticate with Forge or Vapor without having to store your credentials on your command line somewhere, right? So it enables you to secure that. Authenticate with your fingerprint, your Apple Watch, or your system authentication. Uh, your credentials are stored in one password, so you never have to enter them anywhere in plain text. Once you've followed the installation instructions, you're going to be prompted to authenticate with one password when running the Forge or Vapor CLI. Uh, it's pretty easy. There's two different uh, pieces of documentation on how to use that if you want to get started. I followed this for um, getting it authenticated with Forge, and it was really, really easy. Uh, so all you have to do is go install the one password CLI, then you connect the one password CLI uh, with your one password app. Again, this is only something you have to do once, but then you install the Laravel Forge CLI and then you can authenticate using that. So pretty cool. Pretty cool. Very it's, nice. Um, it's really interesting to see how 1Password is doing this. They also offer things where you can you can essentially populate your ENVs with the 1Password CLI as well. Mm. So if you wanted to be able to share secrets across... You can share secrets across teams with this as well. Yeah. Um, so you can like have an ENV that is available to all your developers. Um, all the secrets are stored in 1Password instead of stored on your machine and then you can have the production values uh, that are stored in one password as well. And then those are used in the, um, in the production app instead of actually having to store the .env values on the server, it will pull them from the CLI, which is really cool. So yeah, they've got all sorts of innovative things there. And um, oh, this is I will cool. admit that I've not used all of them, but I have messed around with it a yeah. bit. So it's pretty cool. I am. Um, I like, I, I kind of knew that one password had a CLI app, but I've never, never really used it or looked at it but it's cool some of the stuff that you can do with it managing your ssh keys and things like that signing right, git, yeah, exactly signing git commits i do that using gpg but it's always a bit uh tricky for me sometimes especially when i go between machines to remember how to set it up to get gpg all, yes, all working sure. and stuff so mm -hmm. being able to just sign it using ssh keys makes things a whole heap simpler and then you can put those keys into one password and, and share them that way. So I might uh, might have to check out this CLI 
See how we go. Yeah, I think it's one of those things. Once you get started on it, I think you realize, oh, this is really interesting. There's a lot of ways I could use this. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you haven't used it before, it's kind of one of those things you just don't know about because you don't have to use it. It's just right. convenient if you do yeah. use it. Yep. All right. Tutorial time. We've got three this week. First one comes to us from Laracast via uh, everyone's favorite human, Paul Redmond. And this is talking about brainstorming tests with PEST to-dos. So in PEST, PHP, which is a a PHP unit subset, uh, superset, subset, one of those ones. We've talked about it before that I don't know the difference. Superset. Superset, which is basically a wrapper around PHP unit. And it gives you like an alternative syntax to to writing tests. If you've ever used Jest in JavaScript, it's, it's very similar to that. But with... With PEST, you can chain onto your it or your test method, the to-do method. So you can say, you know, let's look at this example. You can say it can send a message to Larry and then arrow to-do, right? And so then when you run your tests, it will essentially mark all of those like as incomplete tests, but they will show you in the output of the test, you know, this test is run, um, but it, it's not complete yet. It requires a valid email. And then, you know, you say that this is what we need to do to kind of say, you know, I have I know all the tests that I need to write. I haven't written them yet. And it kind of acts as a to-do list of, you know, where you're up to in your test. So this just kind of talks through um, how you might do that, why you might do that, and and then shows you both in PEST and in PHP unit how, how you could do the same thing. Um, so check that one out. Everyone's favorite human, Paul Redmond. Thank you, Mr. Redmond. Uh, next up, we have from Steve McDougall a tutorial on Laravel security middleware. Now, middleware itself isn't something new. We've been using it in our applications for quite a while now for various usages from authentication to authorization and beyond. And in this tutorial, Steve will walk you through how you can leverage the power of middleware in your Laravel apps to help increase the security of your applications. You can add countless headers to your application which do different things. Um, so he'll talk you through um, adding and removing headers, setting referrer policies and things like that, that can be useful in different contexts. And lastly, feature tests powered by database seeders. Now, our friend David Hemphill presented at Laracon AU in 2018, a talk titled Abusing Laravel for Fun and Profit. And one of the sections in that talk that was particularly interesting uh, to, to, to Eric was how he uses database seeders to write his feature test. So if if you, in your test, typically you'd use like model factories and you can scaffold out, you know, a new user or a new user with something. And you might find yourself getting into these repeated scenarios where you maybe go in and you'll create model uh, or factory scopes to do that. An alternative approach is to create seeders that you can call within your test. So if you need to build out a specific scenario, and I was I was not looking at the um, at the talk itself, but using the seeders, I'm doing some stuff at the moment where we ha- we have basically six or seven different scenarios given to us by one of our lenders that we have to say that we can generate XML of all things <laughs> to match these scenarios to then send to them for for finance applications. So creating a seeder for each of those things, and then within the context of that seeder then going and building out what we need to send in order to kind of build out that in a consistent way. And it also allows you to kind of regenerate the same thing between tests without having to, you know, duplicate all of that 
scaffolding part of your test. So uh, definitely check this one out. Thanks to Eric for that tutorial. There you have it, folks. That that wraps the show today. Um, hey, you know what? I want to just mention real quick here that it's sort of like an unsung hero for me. I use Forge, which is great, but I also use Envoyer. And mm-hmm. I feel like not many people use this or I don't know. I'm not sure exactly. I don't ever hear anything about it. And I love it. It's it's amazing. So it's zero downtime deployments, right? So it basically handles. So Forge, I use Forge to provision our sites to handle like setting up scheduler and setting up horizon and, uh, you know, managing PHP versions and things like that. All great. However, I use Envoyer to do our deployments. So the deployment, what it will do is it will allow you to set up different hooks that you can do at different points in the deployment. So you could say pre-deploy, you can say, so you can back up your database before you do your deployment. And then you can do after it installs composer dependencies, you can do X. And then after it activates the, the release, you can then, you know, do like config cache or whatever. So you can do all of these things that you have these little hooks. But the great part about it is that it's zero downtime. So if I want to deploy in the middle of the day, this was something that was always really fraught with peril before yeah. because of my users that I have to tell them like, hey, by the way, things are going to be down for about a minute and a half here. Um, so just jump out and I'll tell you when you can jump back in. And I'd have to do this you know, multiple times a day or I would just have to wait until that evening to ship everything. And that was really annoying. So now I can just deploy in the middle of the day zero problems and it's just everybody keeps operating as normal because there's no downtime between deployments i'm not going to take the time to explain how it does it but okay fine i will it deploys it to a different folder and then it does a symlink swap and it just everything's good and so it's amazing and if you haven't used envoyer before and you would think you would like zero downtime deployments you should definitely check it out if you have a lot of people hitting your app during the day and you want to be able to deploy during the day envoyer is a great option really really great option and it's very reasonable so Maybe one of the best kept Laravel secrets. I'm not sure. I don't think very many people use it. So I I use it and love it. It's amazing. Yeah. You should definitely check it out. Okay. Commercial over. Thank you, Honey Badger, again, for sponsoring the show. You're the best. You're amazing. Thank you, Star and Josh. And I should know the other one. Ben. Uh, Ben. Star, Josh, Ben. Thank you. Star, Josh, and Ben. Appreciate it. All right, everybody. This was episode 192. May 23rd, 2023. If you'd like to find show notes for this episode, you can find them at podcast.laravel-news.com slash 192. Rate us up in your podcatcher of choice. Five stars would be awesome. Rate and review and then reach out to us on Twitter if you have any questions. Thanks so much for listening. Shout out Nuno. He said he listens to this every week, every two weeks. Thanks, Nuno. Nuno Maduro. Yep. Thanks, Nuno. All right, everybody. We'll see you. Bye. Bye. Bye.